0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between The Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Herd. Hello friends and welcome to Herd your food beverage and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakim and tonight I'm joined by Vato. Hey. Nick. Ho ho ho. Jason. Hey. And our special guest, the executive chef and owner of Zingerman's Cornman Farms, Kieran Hales. I like to be called special whenever <laughs> possible. How are you doing, Kieran? I'm pretty good. Got had, a little, had a bit little... Of a sore
2: throat, but I'm going to be fine.
1: And what driving over here was a little tricky for you.
2: I'm British. I went on the wrong side of the road at least <laughs> twice. No one noticed, so that's good.
1: Hopefully, your steering wheels on the yeah, side. Mer- the American side. Going to take a sip of whiskey, <laughs> and everything will be fine now for everyone. <laughs> this is America. Yeah, so, so we they might have... have thought you were just avoiding
3: a pothole. <laughs> yeah. There you go, just making a strategic move.
1: We have quite a collection of booze in front wow. of us, guys. That just, um, yeah. that just happened. Yeah. So we ha- we have a uh, uh, Macallan, wh- a toast. Want to oh. do a toast? Okay, let's do a toast. All right. Let's do a toast. Cheers. 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 Thank you. All right. This, that was You're a photographer drink. request drink from now. Nick. Joe. Uh,
3: gonna... Oh, yeah. Drink. Now. Well, right. my photos were so bad last week. I'm trying to make up for them.
2: There you go.
1: We got a lot of stuff to photograph tonight. What are we? Uh, um, what are we drinking? Pour so me so up. we have um, McAllen, McAllen 21, 21, 21
2: 12, 12. Glenlivet of 12. Are you starting with the twenty one?
3: Are we going like oldest to youngest? Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, and, and then and, and the twelve and then, we're just <laughs> leaving here. It's like we never wanted to drink it, to be honest. I was getting rid of it. And then we also have a <laughs>
1: bottle of uh Weller uh antique one oh seven. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a single barrel, Jason?
3: Yeah, from Beverage Warehouse. Picked it up yesterday. Oh, yes. was that the club one? Yeah. Nice. They have their own little club. There's only like Members are... My bottle got banished till next week, so we'll talk about that next week. Banished? I just, like I walked past the You banished my bottle. All oh, oh, that bottle of that. Yes. Of, of that. Yeah, we had had know what We'll have gonna... some Aquavit next week.
1: No, now you ruined it. With, 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 uh, with Rachel Lutz. We'll have some <laughs> Aquavit with Rachel. Yes. Um, okay, so. Yeah.
3: Yeah, if I Kieran. had that all this was in store, I would have probably saved that for
1: another time because we can.
3: It our stuff. second to last episode of the year, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. So this, this is a partial this celebration.
1: Is, this is, yep, holiday episode number one. I could pour we'll it back about in the bottle. The penultimate that, episode. Penultimate Ooh, right. yeah. that's a good word. Pretty so, Kieran. Let's start with pies cuz you yeah. brought pies with you. Oh my god. English pies. English pies. Not Scottish pies. Ding 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 ding. Yeah.
2: So, That's, I like how close we are. As take, we you corners, take your corners.
3: Take your corners. Now, I was just in London 2 weeks ago, 3 weeks ago. Nice. So, I didn't know I don't know if I had any pies though.
2: Yeah, so the pie mash shop
3: uh, thing in England comes from uh, eel shops. So, if you walk past an, an eel
2: shop, kay. that was a pie mash shop. So, all the old English traditional eel and oyster bars turned into pie mash shops once we polluted the heck out of the Thames River but interestingly pie and mash these kind of pies are the only traditional London food that exists mm. so there is really? no other like specific to London what it is my dad was an old cabbie uh-huh. and uh, so this is what you'd always get at the cab stand so if you got into London you got to go to the cabbie stand and the only people who would feed you would be the if you were in there were cabbies or ambulance drivers so if you got in them you had to be one of those two things
1: and you get a full English breakfast or pie and mash, and it was a pretty
2: awesome place to be.
1: Wow! So okay, let's talk about the full English breakfast first. You didn't bring that with you, but <laughs> what, what what goes in a full now? English? That I got
2: a ton of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So real blood sausage, yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. made by an Englishman, <laughs> not the Scotsman.
1: <laughs> <of English>. Wow. <laughs> However, I'm still willing to try. Be con- I, I'm Lebanese and Italian, so you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get a uh, too, too. Uh, yeah, so offended by all of this. Real good baked beans. <laughs> real, yep. really good
3: produced baked beans. Yep. Which are so different from American baked beans because they have more of a bite to them. Yep. They're yep. not as like mushy. Yeah. and they don't have that Mushy. terrible
2: sweet taste yes, to them yes. yet they have still got that like corn starchy thickness yep, to the yep. place where they are
3: um mushrooms
2: yep with yep. shallots garlic brandy port and red wine on them um you've got uh, back bacon not streaky bacon uh then you've got uh chipolata sausages so that like nice herb sausage on there you got french toast which is just butter fried toast then you've got real toast. tin tomatoes, not those fried tomatoes. You need the good tin tomatoes uh-huh. with Bisto added to them, which I know you have, hmm. oh, which yeah. is a good place to <laughs> yeah. be. Um, and then if you're really lucky, you get a Yorkshire pudding from the Sunday oh. dinner from the one before, and then you can put it all
3: together. And I think but the thing that I really got hooked on was the sausages, because they almost have a livery taste to yeah, it. Just yeah. light, just light. Just enough to like really kind of bring everything together.
2: Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the old butcher shops in the UK used to... Uh, so all the old butcher shops would put uh, sawdust down to catch all the blood. And so before uh, any of the health inspectors were back in the world, back in the early 1800s, they would take all the sawdust from the ground and put it back into the sausage. <laughs> oh, you, you got to love those sausage makers. <laughs> you just don't want to know. But it tasted so good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: Um, so obviously, like, you eat a full English breakfast. You don't need to eat the rest of the day. I think um, I skipped lunch <laughs> the
3: one time. I went to Hawksmoor. Uh-huh. And um, it was pretty dead when I went. But I mean, that, I got the small meal. There was a plus-up meal yep. that would said for two. Mm-hmm. And since my wife's a vegetarian, she's like, uh-uh. <laughs> yep. You could you could have done it. It comes on like a serving <laughs> platter. It isn't a plate. It's a serving platter that comes <laughs> on. Okay.
2: So
1: if London
3: doesn't have any real traditional foods except for this, what are, what are they pumping out over there outside <laughs> of the English breakfast? But it's like international. It's like New York. Mm, yeah. I mean, there's just, like, we had Japanese. So like, we yeah. had Indian. A lot of Indian. Lot yeah, of Indian lots food. of curry. Yep. Yeah. Curry is our national dish.
2: It beats fish and chips. Wow, I believe it. But, we yeah. eat more curry than we eat of fish and chips. It is a by far the winner of where we're at. I
0: don't see any curry in English pubs in America. They, the English
2: pub over here is a very weird combination of the two. Like I, the pub thing's meant to be like where you go hang out, and you at the end of a Sunday shift, you go stay there for the. Entire rest of the day, and you stand outside. You stand outside in the cold yeah. and the rain, and it doesn't really matter. Over here, it's never quite gelled. I lived in New York for a while. I lived uh, in Maine for a while. It's never quite the right feel. I don't know. The Americans never quite nailed down the whole pub are, pub grub thing. They're Are they, spo-
0: they sport oriented over there too? <sighs>
2: they're very sport oriented. Yeah, yeah. If you get into that world, I got to tell you, I'm fr- I support Chelsea, Talkie United, and then if you really put me in a corner, it's Man City, not Man City, <laughs> Man U. <laughs> Um, and then you get into all kinds of brawls. But I remember being on the underground and going to watch West Ham games just for the brawls. Like the the sporting fights are the fun things.
3: Huh.
0: Yeah. It's like uh, soccer moms and uh, hockey dads,
2: right? <laughs> yeah, you got the British Transport Police on the underground yeah. in London. That's
1: a, that's a good day. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, okay, so pies. Yeah. Let's talk about these pies. What did you bring with you? So I've got uh, – Two different pies. So you've got a
2: bacon and potato one, which is basically called a hominy pie. Mm. So the Brits, we like to pretend we're really British, but to be honest, we're like invaded by every country known to man. Um, for us, this was an invite from the Vikings. So this is a lot of Scandinavian flavors in there. If you go to Denmark, you can get something called a Danish open sandwich, which is a piece of toast with like a potato salad on the top. So this is basically a warm potato salad. It's got lots of cheddar cheese, lots of bacon, but this comes from my county. So not hominy, but <laughs> Um And then the other one is burgundy beef pie with a lot of ale in there. And that's just really good, um, wonderful fillet of beef that's been cooked down with mushrooms. So you've got shiitakes, cremini's lots of garlic, nutmeg, mace, port sherry, brandy, cognac in there, uh, dark, uh, beautiful uh, ale in there. You've got a whole bunch of really great spices like cumin's gone in there as well. We like to sneak in any flavors of curries to make the Brits really happy. But the top of it's got something called amarat uh, seasoning on it, which is by kno mm-hmm. All right, so like the Canoe, the... the Chicken seasoning spice mix. Uh, Uh, my mom put on every pie. And so like I have to special order it in from the UK just to have it because I have to sprinkle on top or it's not really a meat pie at Uh that point. It's Uh just a fake pie at that place. And then
3: I brought you some vinegar because you got to put vinegar on the pie or otherwise
2: it's not real pie.
3: So I think the, the addition of nutmeg in savory dishes is like a very old school technique. Um, I think we see it a little bit in, um, like homemade, um, mac and cheese. But I don't see it a ton in savory cooking.
1: No, and, and you'll you'll find it on cooking shows sometimes. That they'll sometimes, say you know yep. add it as like a secret ingredient right. type of thing, and like you know people will taste it in some way, but they can't recognize yeah. it
0: because you overdo it. You put too much. You only need just a little bit of nutmeg. That's why add, you should grind it yourself. We add nutmeg to yeah. uh, hollandaise, and if you add a too much, then it, it poisons the hollandaise. Yeah. We you just take
3: it over a grater, and you can <laughs> really control it.
0: Well, yeah, you should have do, be doing it from the whole yeah. to begin with.
2: See, as Brits, we sneak the meat back into the sweet desserts, <laughs> like, like uh, jam roly-poly, and then we put in Christmas pudding. We'll put beef fat in there, put ground meat in oh. there. Yeah, yeah, happy places to be. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. we we brought in a bunch of Christmas puddings at, at Aykroyd's, for, for, but they're not, uh, no meat in any of them. Yep. They're all uh, vegetarian because we can't import meat. So next year, I think we're going to try to attempt to make our own puddings. Um, we just did it for the Christmas lighting out on the farm like two, three days ago. You did. Ignited a whole world
2: of them. <laughs> hey, you can light a pie on fire with it that's been soaked in rum for over a month oh, and a half. Yeah. Oh, happy place. Well, I, saw, I yeah. saw a video. Uh, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah, saw the video. Yeah. yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, that had some meat in it. I <laughs> had to explain to everyone, you're about to have dessert, but if you're vegetarian, you just can't have
0: this. So yeah. the, the beef in the, in the pie here, is it ground? Uh, So this is actually
2: large dice. So this is head and tail of the beef fillets for us. So for us, we sous vide a lot of beef for a lot of weddings we do out on the farm. So this is all of those pieces. We let it dry for another 12 weeks uh, diced up and then we'll actually freeze it. So freezing is a really good – it's one of those things that like people roll their, their eyes at but it's a really good tenderizer, right? All that cell structure expands, freezes. Then it defrosts, and the beef's been tenderized even more. So you've dry-aged it, get the flavor there. You've frozen it to tenderize it, and then we'll stew it down for a long period
3: of time. So, so. you're dry-aging these for 12 weeks. What do these pies cost, $100 each? Yeah,
2: yeah, right. Uh, this necessarily isn't the moneymaker in the game, right? <laughs> uh, this this would be the passion and the fun piece of the game. Um, we do them for about uh, $20, so you get pie mash. Okay. But we serve you the uh, green gravy, which if you uh, oh, go back to yeah. the U.K., uh, all of the pie mashups serve you this green gravy. It's parsley and garlic made with a chicken stock. Huh. Back in the day, it was made with eel juice. Mm. I promise we don't make it with eel what, juice. Tell, what's eel juice? So it's all the – if you do eels, it's this really thick, gelatinous – After they've just, been cooked? After they've been cooked. Okay. And so you take all this leftover eel, gravy. eel juice. Yeah, and then yeah. you blitz it with parsley and garlic to hide that flavor and then <laughs> use it as your gravy on your meat uh, pie. Um, we make it slightly differently so you can don't have to enjoy that. But it's kind of this beautiful refresher. And so when we did the first one, uh, we had all these telephone calls from people who picked up. I'm like, what is this? I'm like, it's the gravy. Don't be scared. You want to put some vinegar on there? Pour that all over it. It's going to be in a happy place. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a, a hard sell to start with. But it's like putting vinegar on a pie is by far the best place to be. Um,
1: so you have – quite a quite a pass so you've cooked for presidents and you've cooked for the queen yeah what 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 is that like uh it's a lot more stressful
2: than it wants to be Mm -hmm. uh we did um back in uh Bunkport when i worked up there we did 41 42 and 43 so we did both bushes and clinton at that point Uh and um it was during the kerry bush election okay and so it was um Governor Bush's son's wedding, so it was a presidential we- elect, uh, wedding, so he actually came, so 43 was there. Um, you got searched if you walked between the two buildings. You had food inspections multiple times. They would not tell you who was going to come, and um, then he got there. I will tell you, 41 and 43, gentlemen, so nice to the staff, such nice people. Uh-huh. I was blown away i mean 43 as sitting president spent about an hour and a half shaking and talking to every single person that worked at that wedding oh
1: that's incredible Uh, he was
2: a really nice guy um uh 41 was a lot of fun and barbara uh bush back then was uh just starting to be in the wheelchair and she was so nice uh I was a little weirded out how good friends Clinton was with, uh, with uh, 41, uh-huh. with Bush. They were really good friends. And they had a ball. I mean, that's where they've got the Walker's Point and they've got the, the house out there. And so they come into County Bunk Point pretty often back then. Um, but it was an experience. The Queen is different. <laughs> You're a little removed from the Queen. Uh, I was a... Interestingly, a classically trained bassoonist. So I'd played my bassoon in front of her as a part of the National Children's Orchestra a long time before. Uh-huh. Super important if you're gonna be a chef to be a classically trained bassoonist. <laughs> um but uh, I got to make her uh, chocolate cake back in the day. Okay. So there was this super second world war chocolate cake, not super sweet, got all these biscuits in it, um pretty dense. But she loves it. You usually send up all these different cakes to the queen and she'll take a little slice of all of them and try them. But this one chocolate cake she has to hold on to. And so she would, you know, go between one or two of the houses and it would go on the train. There'd be a person responsible to transport this cake for her back in the day. Um, But I got to live in Burnham Market for a while and that's where she's got a summer home. And so we would do holiday parties out there when she'd come up. But the princes would play one of the golf courses and like you could play if you paid the equivalent of a case of eggs and three chickens if you lived in the village. <laughs> yeah, like good old English traditional things, to, ways to play. So I got to play a round of golf with the princes like twice, which was pretty cool back
1: in the day as well. So the security is vastly different different? The than? UK is, we're a little lackadaisical. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of royals,
2: and I think they're all okay if the next one gets it, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, because there's like a backup plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them.
0: So when uh, when the bushes were there, were you uh, not allowed to have any broccoli in the oh, Broccoli was not a good thing to have in
2: that building. And um, what was it? Um... For us, uh, the non-alcoholic beer that Bush brought with him, 43, there was two Secret Service agents walked into the kitchen. I mean, they rushed the kitchen right at the beginning and they're like, I need a fridge right now. Mm. And you're like, Oh, has it got his plasma
3: blood or something
2: in it? <laughs> no, it was non-alcoholic beer, six of them that they needed to put in the fridge. Cause was he was the a, most stressful
3: thing. Cause he was like a party animal. Oh, yeah. As yeah a kid. Back in the day. And this yeah. was,
2: he, he was completely teetotal at that point. And so he was drinking non-alcoholic beer. I just, it was one of those things that stuck with me like I said, I don't know. I didn't have this like – I didn't know what to expect from Bush and he was just so nice to every single person in that building. There was people that had been up and awake for like 23, 24 hours and I mean he spent a good like five, six minutes
0: with most people. That's I, I cool. have to imagine that cooking for presents would be like the, the USDA is like there like with, you know, t- temping everything the like t- every tasters second. And, right. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, okay, you know, let me see that spice and a thing of that and – Mix it with some chemical to see if there's something in it. I mean...
2: (laughs) The Secret Service were not that secret when they arrived in Kennebunkport, right? (laughs) They arrived in Verizon vans and there was 24 of them, right? Wow. They knocked through a wall of one of the hotel rooms because they wanted a space. They set up a UAV uh, landing strip in the front of the property. There was a sub... Off the coast, and there was counter-sniper teams walking around with <laughs> counter-sniper teams in town.
0: Like there was a, oh, is he coming? Yeah, he's coming. <laughs> there's all these people in town right now. That's crazy. I, yeah. I want to go back just a little bit more in your history too. You, you went to uh, culinary school at age 13. Yeah. How do, how do, how was that? I mean, was everyone else in the school the similar age or are you like There's no the Doogie ha- laws over there? Were I, you the Doogie Hauser of school?
3: Uh, I was school? that kid, right? Okay. I was <laughs> that kid.
0: I um so I said I was a bassoonist and uh, I
2: was playing the bassoon at uh RAF Northolt. it's where the Queen has her plane, and it was the first ATC band, so the kids' version of the Royal Air Force. And I was sat next to the first bassoonist and he's like, hey, you're going to play these same 100 pieces for the rest of your life. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm done. I'm not doing this. I'm not playing that anymore. I'm gone. And so we, um, I went home and I was like, I don't want to do this. This is not the rest of my life. And I had a really great home economics teacher, Mrs. Williams. She's an angel. Uh, I was pretty good. I liked cooking. My mum was a really good chef. Um, uh, my grandmother was terrible, <laughs> and so that's why my mom was so good. And she recommended I applied for this uh, specialized chef's course, which was a modern apprenticeship. Like one of only two that were left. When I applied, I was the youngest person that applied at that point. And right. So
3: I lived in London at thirteen and a half. So who who took uh, home economics in school? No. Yeah, obviously kind, you could. kind of did. You kind of did. So I took yeah. the equivalent of like half a year. <clears throat> I learned nothing. It was like toast, like pasta. It was a bunch of bologna. Like, tell me what is an English home economics class.
2: Oh, we made like polenta terrines with the vegetables all the way down in the you middle. Did. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. like, uh, you know the one thing that I'm still awful at today is making meringues. Like, do not ask me to make a meringue. My mother could make this wonderful like But this is in like grade school. This is in, like, yeah, I I suppose I really struggle with what that is, like elementary school. Elementary school yeah, was what I that mean, was in, home in elementary school? And secondary school. Yeah. No, I didn't. But like my second, my elementary school, I was the only kid in my year. That's how tiny where I come from in England
0: is. 300
2: so, people come from my village. That's it.
0: What was the average age of the class when you started? You were 13, was it?
2: Uh, most of them were like 16 to 17-year-old kids. Okay, I was
0: that kid. So how long do you stay in this program?
2: Uh, four and a half years. So you spend a year working and three months studying, a year working, three months studying. You do that for about three years of working and the rest fills in from studying in the class, which is pretty cool. And then you advance to the next school? Uh, so after that, you were out in the world. So I started a one Michelin star restaurant in London called Cote Jean, and I worked in Paul Bocuse's restaurant in Burgundy in France. So I would hopscotch between the two. And uh, I was a commie chef at that point. I got paid. I got paid when I went to school. I have no university, college, university debt. When I came over here, I had to prove that all of that was the equivalent of a master's. You got to pay university director to do that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody has to pay and I got to go in that world. Okay. So I just tried the,
1: the beef pie. The, Should I leave now? No. So <laughs> one, one thing I, I want to point out that um, they're cold. They are. Okay. A- yes. and, and it's okay to consume. Uh, I know it's okay to consume scotch pies cold. It's okay to consume English pies cold too, right? Four days later, out at room temperature, we're going to be a happy Whoa. place. Whoa. So there, there is this kind of American idea that savory items need to be warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I know that there's mobry pies that, um, that have the gelatin, the pork, and all of that. And you have to eat – I mean – I've had one warm and it was kind of weird. They're better cold. Oh, yeah. I did one on TV and tried to show
2: someone and I was in a uh, – trying to explain to this person on TV. I'm like, it's okay. It's meant to be cold. Yep. Brace yourself. And she's like, whoa. And I'm like, no, no. It's a pork pie. It's a happy place.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and there's like that layer of um, – asp- Yeah, the jelly. It's the yeah, jelly, the jelly okay. that's in yep. there. You actually put Meat that jelly. in
2: afterwards. So once it's baked, you put it back in the jelly on the top. Yep.
1: And, and it's one of those things that like you, you have to experience once. If you like – meat and you like pies um, you know um, the the cold mulberry pie is something spectacular.
2: When we made these this morning so I made this this morning before I left uh, the shop. They've been in my car for a while chilling Mm -hmm. down um we were making pork pie so i made one with branston's pickle oh yeah you cannot make branston's pickle i don't like as a chef there's no way to make branston's pickle yeah, i wouldn't buy that, that. <laughs> and so we layered that in the side of the uh, pork pie we've got an englishman who's coming to get married out on the farm and he wants this big like plowman's lunch thing mm-hmm. and so the whole of his canopy thing is this ridiculous amount of cheese pork pies cured meats cured hams and all that stuff
0: but you, but you could heat this though, right? I mean, oh, you could. definitely oh, yeah. could. Yeah. So
2: when we serve this on pie and mash pop-ups that we'll do um, in March for I don't know, like four months, it's kind of crazy. Um, we uh, have them all hot, okay. and you definitely in pie and mash shops in the UK, you get them inverted. They're kind of upside down. You smash the inside of it. You drown it in vinegar, and then you pour over the gravy as well in there.
0: So so if you were to take this home, are you? Putting this at all in the microwave? Or you only do an oven
1: for heating up? Me? I just eat it. (laughs) Well.
2: Right. It yeah, wouldn't no, make it to the house. No, you could microwave that sucker; it'd be fine. Yeah. We have uh, frozen them. So one thing we actually might talk to a young man at a Scottish bakery <laughs> about is helping us make some pies so we could freeze them and ship them across those state lines
1: to other people who really like that meat pie that wasn't Scottish. <laughs> you now, Scottish pie just kind of looks messy in that.
0: When world. you freeze it, what do you vacuum seal it and then freeze it?
1: No, we we we, free, we individual hand wrap everyone and freeze them that way. Yeah. Um, we, you could vacuum seal, but the issue with vacuum sealing in the health department is that they freak the fuck out. It's over. Oxygen,
2: reduced oxygen packaging. They like loo- you gotta write a HASAP for yeah. the nineteen seventies. Because of so like, like
3: anaerobic something or other? Cool. Yeah.
2: It's uh the, if you crap if you trap some microbes, the only ones that are really dangerous are the ones that don't that survive without oxygen for a period of time and they can really hurt you. And so they rightfully they get scared about yes. it. The kind of the scary thing about the US Health Department is just how scared they get about the weird ones that mm. don't happen very often? in The UK we're a little more <laughs> lackadaisical in our
1: world.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you go? Do you go with a blast chiller, or do you uh, cool in the fridge and then throw it in
1: the freezer? Exactly. Yeah. Second one. Yeah. Second one. Yeah. We don't. We, we don't, don't have a blast, have a blast, blast chiller. chiller. We're, I mean, we're going to build towards having a blast chiller, but we're not there yet. Um, that's because more... they got soggy pastries. <laughs> wow. <Ooh. laughs> I, and I mean, you know, the taste difference is vast. I, I mean, these are it,
3: incredible cold. Your stuff yeah, is not as great, cold. No,
1: and I'll, yeah. I'll fully admit that they um, come from a cold country. Uh, <laughs> Scotland is a cold country. Their probably should taste better. Man, a I feel cold like country. I'm getting roasted here, and I feel like I should push back, but I'm not. That, I'm not going to. This guy's not.
3: got a great style. He shows up with uh, aged scotch, really nice aged scotch. Right, I know. And then proceeds to just trash everything about it. I'm a traitorous Campbell. I, really I sold out this. Scotland for English land. <laughs> I was a happy boy. My
2: family are good with it. We're all good.
1: Um. Yeah, the, the, so talk about the crust for a second. Like
2: Yeah, so this is one of those uh super simple, not difficult things. So it's really good uh strong bread flour, grated frozen paste uh butter in there. When you learn how to when we get to be in that place where you can learn how to make that great pastry. <laughs> um it's got a little bit of vinegar, salt, and that's it. And so try to treat it not Pastry back in the day was all it was was a way to protect the insides and you wouldn't even bother to eat it, right? It was just a throwaway thing. And so this is a much more flaky, puffy pastry on that. You'll get that uh, – if you get the meat pie and you get that crust on the top, it's got the amarat mm-hmm. seasoning on the top. The canoe, they've got the canoe how. Um, <laughs> so these are different each box? Uh, you've got a hominy pie and a couple of them. So the ones that look crinkly with potatoes in there, those are the hominy pies. And okay. then you've got like – sorry, I'm going to manhandle your pie yep. now. Uh, those guys are the meat ones. Okay, so, so got we got meat,
3: meat over here, so we need to try these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't okay.
0: want to pass over the pun because Nick does a pun almost every episode. Or more. And you just passed over the the Kano-how pun. pun. <laughs> it's uh, so good. How, what am I going to add to it? Uh, nothing. Fairly. <laughs> like, like you are every week. <laughs>
1: okay, so 2008, you come over here. Yeah. You go to Zingerman's. Um, you work at the Roadhouse for a minute. Yeah, I was um, there for five and a half five years. years. But in, let's be honest, in Zingerman's time, that's like, that's a, that's a, that's a almost boy. like
2: you only just arrived. <laughs> we move like glaciers.
1: <laughs> but not even that. It's like, I feel like people that work at Zingerman's like have no sense of time because they love it so much. It's a so cult.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've taken classes there, so I know. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and it's easy to drink that Kool Aid. Like, it's, I've, it's, a shop it, there. Yeah, I went to school in Ann Arbor. Thank God, I need to pay my mortgage this
0: month. I know. (laughs) You walk in, you walk in, and like, oh, I'm just going to get a a slice of cheese, or I'm going to get this one spice that I want. The next thing you know, it's like two thousand dollars. It's worse
3: than
1: Target. (laughs) Worse than Target. Oh my. And you didn't even know we did it <laughs> I know. And you even were happy about it. And, it's and you smile up. on the way out. You're like, oh, would you like to try this?
0: I'll open a fresh bottle for you so you can try. And you're like, this is the best thing I've ever done. So, it's a zombie effect. And then they are like, oh, why I'm waiting, maybe I'll go next door to get a coffee. Or maybe I'll find a, you know, go have a sit down, have a pickle. It's a, it's a nonstop thing. It's a it's a compound. Let's it be is. honest. Yeah. <laughs> then they got that map on the side of the actual Zingerman's yeah. itself, not the Roadhouse, but the uh, deli of like the the property. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the Dan Gilbert of Ann Arbor. <laughs> there you go.
3: <laughs> they
2: left off a, a farm off that map for a while. I had to work to get myself on that map. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you you met Ari. At, uh, Overseas, right? Yeah, he randomly turned up in the UK. He got off a plane in City Airport in London with my really good friend Randolph. He is Neil's Dairy in the UK. So a lot of the British cheeses that come over to the uh, US to the deli come from this guy called Randolph. Randolph did something back in the day that sounds really creepy now. Uh, he would take young chefs out to dinner. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> Randolph is a very nice guy. He uh, he really wanted to connect with people that would be in the uh, career for a long time. And mm-hmm. so he'd ask uh, the executive head chefs who's up and coming, who's these new people. And so I've known Randolph since I was 13 till today. And he had always talked about this uh, kind of odd gentleman, Ari, in the U.S., in okay. Michigan. I'm like, where the hell is that? Like, mm-hmm. in all seriousness, culinary-wise, knew nothing about it. Invited him to come over to Detroit to London City Airport. Uh, Flew in, said, hey, we're here. I'm driving up. And so where I worked at the point was Burnham Market. And Mm. he said, I'd like to put you up for the night. And so I had to put them up. We went on a three-day cheese tour. We had dinner at the restaurant I cooked for them. And he convinced me that I could buy into the restaurant. Like I could buy into something. I'd spent a long time trying to find somebody to let me put some cash on the line. I'd been paid pretty well in a lot of different places, but... No one lets you buy in in this industry, especially in Europe. Europe's very hard. Ownership
1: is highly sought after, and, and yeah, because yeah, it, it comes with a huge cost.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I, I probably let's had, back into that. Why? I probably had like one hundred forty thousand dollars, and I couldn't buy like two percent of a very small family-run restaurant in the
1: uh, tail end of the UK. So. Well, okay, so family-owned is one thing. I mean, yeah. when you have because. family and you're trying to buy from the outside. Um, okay. Yeah. But 140 but, was a lot of cash back then
2: as well. Sure. That was pounds not dollars when it was good to have pounds not dollars. So, not now after Brexit. It was w-
3: literally there when, all that, <laughs> when yeah. all that happened. When oh. all that happened my like all my money dropped. Yeah, that's it.
1: And, and so we'll talk about a Zingerman's um term here. So Zingerman's is big on visioning. Yep. Um and, and a lot of times with small family-owned businesses, they don't have vision. Nope. So what they see is someone coming in from the outside trying to take, take over, over. Okay. Um, even even at a two percent buy, you know, wanting to buy two or five percent. I just to not
2: work for the man anymore. I wanted to know I was putting something in the pot at the same time. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and it scares the hell out of family-owned businesses uh, outside of those who have vision and a desire to grow, right? Um, so Zingerman's is known for their, gro- you know, wanting to grow. And this is a huge upside of working for them, I can imagine, right? Yeah, yeah. I
2: When I had to write the vision, I had to sit down at a table and Ari was like stood behind me, tapping me on the <laughs> shoulder to tell me. So they say, just keep writing for 20 minutes. Don't stop. And so in my very first draft of this vision, it's like I have no idea what else I meant to say. Ari's just standing over me. <laughs> and that This is in the first draft of the vision. I There are many things I'm pretty smart at. Writing. English literature, being able to spell things correctly, do grammar is not one of them. So if you go back and read that, it's a terrible situation to be able to understand what I wrote. But it's about futuring. So where does it look like I am in 10 years? And that's a pretty scary place and really is a. As a person, you try to, I like, I want to write the vision of what you think I should look like, right? Rather than what do I really want and what am I actually going to admit to? And I think that was a huge struggle for me to get past that. And I probably, even as one of the few, you know, managing partners within the organization, still struggle with that. Being honest with myself and saying what I really want and telling people. Because until you do that, you're really out there in the cold.
0: Well, part of it, I think, is because you're, some people are, in general, are worried that other people are going to perceive them as being too competitive. Yeah, for them, and you have to be honest. And being honest is like you're putting yourself out there. Uh, but if everyone does that and everyone shares that honesty, then it really drops the competitiveness and just brings up the business. In my opinion, yeah, I've got this kid
2: that's working for me. Wrote a vision, says he doesn't want to work for me in two years. That's awesome. I can head him off in that right direction and get him to a place. That's a good thing to know rather than just playing in the game. Like, Mm -hmm. I know where you want to be. That's a very scary thing to do in a lot of America. But, like, to be able to say that to someone like, that's awesome, I've got you for two years, guaranteed, let's go.
0: Or if somebody says, I want your job. Yeah. Like, that's... Great. They're being honest. They're going to push. They're going to push themselves. They're going to push you harder to aspire to something greater or
3: something different. Well, and you're going to know. So, like, even my old job... We had a guy that quit because he didn't get a promotion, and we're like, "You never said you wanted it." Like, you can't just assume we're going to promote everyone. You gotta like, you gotta like make it known. Yep. Nick, yeah. what are you
0: saying? <laughs> he wants to be the host one day. Yeah, <laughs> <He> <laughs> to I want Joe's job. Yeah, that just he wants to say, "Welcome, friends.
2: <laughs> just don't own a Scottish baby. Tell us <laughs> what you think. <mean. laughs> Joe's okay. like, you might
1: have it. <laughs> so, okay, so let's talk about this kind of interplay that we have between English and Scottish, right? Yeah. So, okay, so um. W- why why does it exist
2: i don't know it's the scots really don't know how to cook anymore <laughs> wow. like it's been a bad place <laughs> they lost their heritage no um i don't know i think that there's that really fun piece of i think all englishmen want to be scotsmen right <laughs> and we we like uh there's there's some derogatory terms we could use <laughs> but like southern softies let's stay there right <laughs> we're not the most manly men right and the scots kind of are and we kind of want to be them and we want to remind the ladies that they're n- <laughs> we're they're not really that good of people, and I think we've always stayed there as British men, right? We've got a lot going for us, but it's not that. Jeans, <laughs> fine right? British, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He probably had some Scottish jeans.
3: I just heard he had a toupee. That Sean Connery wore a toupee. No, yeah, because he was losing his hair at like twenty-four. I don't want to know that. I'm gonna I'm gonna drink till I forget that right now. That is not a good place to be. Quick, quick side piece. This Weller is awesome. Yeah. This is like super, like like um. Like green, savory spices hmm. and a um, little sweetness to it. That's really tasty.
0: Second side piece. I, I really enjoy these. Uh, the, pies. the pies. Oh, my man. gosh. Both, you put vinegar on them? I put it on the beef one. I didn't put it on the other. Oh, uh, I drenched
3: mine in it. Did you? I love malt vinegar.
0: Do, what, I mean, what does uh, that do, though, to the complexity of the pie? Though I mean, don't you want to taste the pie? Because you, you said there's vinegar baked into the crust.
2: This is poor people's food, right? And I think that's that bit where, yes. Absolutely. Like sitting there and analyzing it's a good thing. This was meant to be that really like that really good vinegar taste with that really rich port brandy flavor is a good place. Like the one Mm. you put on is perfect. And then when you have the potatoes and you put on the potatoes, like potato and vinegar pies, right? It's a good place to be. I think people get really scared until you've actually mashed it all together. Um, British food is not the prettiest. I mean, I like, the, I like, oh, I like yeah. putting like on like putting. I mean, not as ugly fries. as a Scottish <laughs> meat pie, but it's not a pretty thing.
3: Well, and this other pie here is much more potato-dominant yeah. than the other one, and so that, the, the vinegar tastes great in
0: it. Yeah, I, I put vinegar on my on my French fries or pub fries all the time. And then you dip yeah. them in mayo? Then I dip them in mayo. Yeah. Do, you yeah. Yeah. Them yes, your, right. do
3: you put them on your crack fries? <laughs> they, oh, yeah, what's up with that? You can't call them crack fries. Oh, no, they're, they're changing the name,
0: right? Right, they are changing God. the name. Who's changing the name? Popcat. Popcat. Why? Because they don't want to. Because why? The negative connotations of like crack, like
3: people recovering. Come on. (laughs)
0: Swear to God.
3: That's a today or yesterday. The
0: joke's not funny anymore.
1: Okay. That someone like. I don't know. I didn't hear that. Um, I remember so, when we
2: hated the French and they were liberty fries. That's right. That that's right yes. My whole body went into convulsions <laughs> on that day. I told. I
0: told my. Uh, I think I what, it as my son. I said, "Yeah, if you're in France and you're eating this, it's just called toast."
2: <laughs> well, I just like that it was liberty fries. The French loved you a lot more
0: than the Brits back then. I'm, I need to remember a little bit more back in the history. Chinese food is just called food in China. No. No, I I, I enjoyed uh, with the vinegar and without. Um, I see the benefit to it. I'm just curious about like you know the, the kind of drowning it in it. Does it take away from the flavors? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I mean
2: it does. I just I think it's one of those. If there's anything I probably cooked in my life, it's going back to wanting that visceral memory of mm. being a kid, or I want to be with my dad. It's like
0: ratatouille. <laughs> yeah, that's that's that's, a, that's when he eats that that bit of ratatouille, and he goes back to when he was a kid. Yeah, that's so that's. Yeah, that's it For right me, there.
2: I would tell you drain it all day long, so you could go back to my childhood. Both my parents are gone, and so like any food story is a way to travel, oh. and I can go back there in a heartbeat. Like if you can get me some dandelion and burdock, uh, which is a soda, it's like birch beer. It tastes really good. Got yeah, you. I got you, you get there, and it is. I can go back to this crappy little uh like uh candy store that i went with my dad middle of the day take me out of school we go there and grab that i go there instantly and that is a beautiful place this this is going to like a place called cockington i know right got lot of (laughs) us brits for naming bad places (laughs) the cockington they would make really great meat pies and you would go in there and i can go back there and be with my mom right in that minute and that's a pretty magical
0: taste memories have taste so so much power yeah Yeah.
1: so much power the taste memories yeah so, so I want to talk about. You made the point. This is poor people food, right? Yeah, but but that neither, people neither that can of age us their meat for twelve weeks.
3: Well, the, but, yeah. the, the, but I well, need your the twenty dollar bill well, in order to get. But this, but okay.
1: neither of us are charging like what we would call poor people prices. Like yeah. we charge we charge forty a dozen at 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 Acroids for a dozen Scotch pies. Yep. Um. And you're charging twenty for a, a pie, and so h- how do you how do we navigate that space?
2: Yeah, it's I it is the subsidized of bad food. And I, it's one of those real struggles over here. I think that's. I love the Americas. I love being here. It's such a good place for many reasons. But understanding the true value of food is probably that harder mm-hmm. battle that's yep. over here. Um, like we don't spend that, enough
3: on food. That's kind of our thing. Yep. It's subsidized to heck.
2: Mm-hmm. Don't want to understand it. Um, as somebody who runs a farm as well as uh, an event venue, wedding, or you know, place where you come do class and learning. I cannot grow potatoes or onions or celery that even make sense. No one wants to buy them at the price they need to. Well, they I, taste better. They taste better, but I can't charge you $3 a pound for something that you can get for like 20 cents a pound. Wow. Like It's not. It's so wildly removed from the real place. We were in – sorry, I'm going to drift like a politician. I'm going to be really good with this. Go. I'm pivoting. (laughs) Doing a pivot. I'm just going to tell you about my trip to Austria. (laughs) Um, So I was. I we went to. I was in Austria for a wedding. Uh, We catered a wedding there, and it is really scary that the local food movement started in Europe. And it is pivoting away from it. Lots of people keep telling me it's not, right? I've even people within our organization, within Zingermans, I was there and there are people drifting away from the local food movement from where it is because of just how fast we are growing as a, as a mm. population, how we have to feed people. Food is being imported into Austria and Austria is exporting their high quality local produce for high prices outside of the country. It was terrifying. Like wow. I could not get produce. It was so over here, produce I can get every single day, with the exception of Sunday. Meat is probably every three days. Over there, I had to order produce, which I was in another country when I ordered it. Had to be two months in advance <gasps> for produce, and it was you'd get it two months out, and it was from Israel. So you while I was in Austria. And so this place had to hold the produce early Ooh. and get it in there. It had changed. And so when we got there, we had to go uh, shop at local farmer's market for all of these reasons. Mm. Um, and so it still exists. It's not gone away. But I, there is this oddity that's happening with the local food scene. So over here, trying to explain the price difference between something is incredibly hard. And the reality of eating well, and I've got a three and a five-year-old, both monsters, going to be four and six, which is even scarier.
0: Welcome to clothes. Oh, my God. Like sure. <sighs> That could, be, that could
2: be a really – really? Yeah. Oh, like My three-year-old like, is the devil and he <laughs> accepts <laughs> demons into our house that possess the five-year-old on a regular basis. I was just told that uh,
0: – uh, uh, my wife told him tonight he's not getting any presents for <laughs>
3: There you go. You're supposed to wrap up fake presents and throw them in the fire instead. <laughs> <as they're back. laughs> Whoa. That's good. Right? Right? Like <laughs> but um,
2: I've been trying to explain to them the value of what they eat and like it's really scary how badly we eat and how much harm that does to us and if we could just put the investment there but it's so far removed from our daily life that we cheap just food risk. is so Heck easily yes. yep. available
1: yep and, and and all even the best food you know is compared to the cheap food yep i can you know and we see it in documentaries all the time you can say like, people will say well i can go buy produce at the market or i can go to mcdonald's and get five for five yeah and and right. feed my family for under $10. Yep. And we can't compete with that. Nope. Um, we don't want to compete with that. Nope. And I think that's the larger issue. And so we, we, we price out people that may want our food,
3: but yes and no. I don't think you're pricing out people that want your food. I think if you want the food, you're going to get it and maybe something else sacrifices because of it. I agree with Nick 100%
0: too yeah. because I changed a lot of things to switch to organics and whatnot and I mean you could let's say you had a booth at a farmers market. You're not going to sell like a huge amount of stuff, but you can have that booth there and the farmers market's going to double your uh, your uh, food stamp dollars, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a way to get some of this good stuff, but uh, we don't educate people enough. Um, you know, the good places don't market as well as we would want everything marketed and but it's not all the
3: retailers i think it's also people have to want that too
0: they they do
3: and uh, you know some people don't have time right well, some we people have to are to yeah. you know? like, oh, and, and let's
1: go back to home ec. Oh yeah, So home Mac is is basically like at a lot. Like there's no home Mac in these in no, the schools for the most part. No. Um, rather than t- having someone learn trigonometry or calculus, why not teach them cooking, right? You or know? shopping. And, and this is a large. This is a much larger oh, issue. We, in yeah. my house, my kids have to learn
2: math in order to choose what they're having for dinner. So we have this incredibly. Um, there's a thing in so Detroit, gotta love them. Created a, a training in the workplace during the second world T W I. See, I'm going to talk about lean. somehow I got a to, to <laughs> <laughs> uh, They did TWI, which was a way to train people in the workplace that we could build a plane who had never even worked in a factory at the of their life. And we sent everyone to war. Um, they did it more effectively, produced more things than the men that were doing it. So this was mostly women. Men came back from war that survived, came back, took the job, said, I do not want this. Mm. We caught a humanitarian crisis in the – I, I said we. See, I'm almost Americanized. Oh. Um Careful. America. I See, I, I live nowhere. I, I have too much of an American accent for a Brit and too much of a Brit accent for America. I live in no man's land.
0: I'll call that Canada.
2: <laughs> oh, sad face. Um, they usually get Australian. I'm like, no, I'm not from Australia, but thanks. Um, but they exported it to Japan after the two bombs, right? The humanitarian crisis. They couldn't do it. They re-imported it back into the U.S. through the car industries because Toyota was a loom manufacturers back there but I use the same uh, lean manufacturing principles with my kids. And so they have 120 points per meal. They have to pick which things that have different points. So you pick a peanut butter and jelly, it's 15 points. You can have a peanut butter and jelly, I don't care. You can only have a few and there's only two cards you can play. Um, If you want spaghetti sauce and you add broccoli, Whole broccoli, you get ten points back. Oh, wow. or you get five points back if I blitz it up and you didn't know it was. Why don't you in write
0: a book <laughs> about this? Oh, I'm this going is a there. great parent. book. Oh <laughs> yeah.
2: no shit,
3: right? Yeah, it's a good
2: place because honestly, one thing me and my wife, even being a chef, I hate arguing about what's for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so right. the kids pick our menu a week in advance. So choose. when I wake up in the morning and they have <laughs> breakfast, they picked it it's and they not stick me to it. Pretty good. Okay. Like I would say like the three-year-old fights, he wants to be the Hulk. And like I said, he is the devil. Um, <laughs> I would have that sucker back in right now. <laughs> now
0: no, I'm telling you, there's a book out there called uh, uh, French Kids Eat Everything. Yeah, so yeah, I read yeah. that book. Yep. It was an awesome book.
3: This but did you? Did you eat everything as a kid? <laughs> did I? I oh, I, he's not my, French, is he? No, but I'm just saying. I had everything <laughs> as a kid. I mean, no, I no, no, mean, no, no. you had everything as, French, as a kid. we grew up very
0: middle class. We grew up with Swanson's and Sons and TV dinners and – you name it, It uh, came out of a box. It was parents didn't both work, didn't have time to cook. Blah blah blah.
3: See, I was exposed to everything. This right
0: here, though, this point system that's not a Weight Watchers point system. Uh, giving kids because when you were talking about giving kids math, I am like, chef used to give them ratio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can do ratio cooking. We can do that. No,
2: so they have to like add up their points. They take them away. And my three year old can do it, which is pretty cool. But I think that, like when they've made the decision, so they're doing math. Decision, problem-making. Um, my kids, they're going to be so messed up when they grow <laughs> up. they If they want jelly beans, it's 20 points, right? But we have to make them. Making homemade jelly beans takes seven days. What? What the hell are homemade jelly <laughs> Like jelly Explain, beans, please. you want to no, put I, them in a rock tumbler. You have to <laughs> buy a rock tumbler, like the ones you use to polish rocks. And you have to put them in there after you've made them and put beeswax in there and tumble them.
0: <laughs> For like five days. Do you give them an, an allowance? To... That they, <laughs> they have to buy the, the Tumblr tumbler themselves. So they have an allowance like, okay, well, a year from now when you save up enough money. <laughs> all right, put the PJ mask away. Oh. Or no, it would probably be Peppa Pig. No, right? we're
2: <laughs> still in PJ Masks. Or <laughs> oh. Ben and Holly. I not I, I hate PJ Masks, the book. I've read that 42 times in the last month. <laughs> What's the There's little bald kid? Huh?
3: Little bald kid? Is that British? What, Charlie Brown? No. Klaatu or something? Oh Caillou. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> no. He is nobody so depressing. Should, nobody Watching should ever watch Caillou.
0: Caillou. Yes. No. It's a terrible
1: it show. It is terrible. <laughs> terrible. So how many points is Trifle then? Oh,
2: trifle. See, trifle if they would eat it, they get they get points for eating trifle. They go to sleep really early, all the syllabub and booze that I slipped in there. That'd be a good day. Do you, do
0: you have this all uh listed out and categorized? Or, oh, yeah. or are you just like top of your head kinda like
2: I'm an old pastry chef, so I'm anal retentive all the way. Like I got it all detailed then.
0: You have the book already written then. Yeah. You can come
3: over, we can get that sucker down. Oh, don't even think I'm not gonna follow <laughs> up on this one. This is work. <laughs> the new book's coming out. There's probably like a ghostwriter out there. That's well, just like ready. But like if you can imagine
2: you opened up the book and it was a plague. C- so it's, it's like playing a game, right? It's yeah. not about work. And so you had a pack of cards mm-hmm. and you opened up the book and the main page just opens up to put the cards in yep. to stack. Them. Yep.
3: <kling> Telling you. It's down like down an there. elementary school thing. That's how I can imagine. Like this, a little is, like pockets, this is why so, yeah. I did this podcast.
0: <laughs>
2: For
3: parenting <laughs> a million dollar idea. idea.
0: C- we are
2: doing a book. <laughs> See, my wife hates it. We, we, uh, so the same mechanism. We moved her closet to the basement where our laundry machine is. So we get undressed and dressed. We have a finished basement. It's not like a Michigan basement, <laughs> but we go down there and like all of our closets are right there. And so we wash clothes every day, hmm. every we watch, single day. We dishes Why every wouldn't day.
0: you do that? I, mean, <laughs> I wash
2: dishes like three times. A day. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: dishwasher's
0: probably a lot bigger than mine, but.
2: It's
1: yeah. Okay, so you made the shift to Corman Cor- Farms, Yes. Right? Okay, <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> Let's back to this. <laughs> is that where I work? <laughs> I should probably turn up there occasionally. <laughs> um, so, when you when you shifted over there, was it already an event space, or is that something you built? Right. So, Corman Farms was um,
2: it was an agricultural part of the Roadhouse. It right. was we. Lovingly call it like the stepchild. Right, mm-hmm. It wasn't really a business. It was kind of the side thing. Alex Young, who started the Roadhouse, had started as an agricultural arm growing tomatoes and peppers primarily, probably about 27 different vegetables. The piece of property came next to it that was available, and so we purchased it. It had an, a house that was built in 1834 for a gentleman called uh, Dr. Gray, founded by Judge Dexter of Dexter. Yeah. Um, the barn actually came second. So when we purchased it, We really were just going to renovate the barn and I mean spit and shine. Let's do some events. Uh, We'll be open a little bit of the year and we'll make some money. Uh, We had like an $800,000 budget. It kind of escalated. (laughs) Usually does like to 4.6 million
1: <laughs> that's quite an escalation <laughs> it's amazing how you can spend
2: money um so we that was your cost of entry yeah it? that was that was the blood sweat and, they were, and tears they were wait, they've been
1: waiting for you for a long time
2: so it's like building a hotel right it's yep. that's exactly what it's like and so we renovated the barn we renovated the house um it's a pretty nice place to be basically i'm a hoarder who has a really big space that i'm not gonna look like a hoarder for a long time <laughs> Um, No, so when we renovated it, we got to... One of the big things I wanted in having the farm was people would come to the farm and see the things we said. You know, like we used to tell people we'd pick potato beetles off the potatoes and like, yeah, okay, sure. I believe you. (laughs) And like, now we get like 300 people out there on a Saturday. We get 200 people on a Friday and a Sunday, both days for weddings. And I will kidnap like 13 of
1: them on a regular basis and walk them around and talk about stuff. It's pretty great. Oh, that's awesome. So then... What's the next step then? What what is your vision for the next say three years? Sitting in a room and hopefully counting the profits <laughs> at some point. It's probably twenty two <laughs> years from
2: now. It's going to be great. Um, we've talked about lots of things. There we've been uh, so. It's interesting. I'm one of those kids that love growing in the dirt, super organic, live in the world it is, and then I can go all the way over here, like MIT, and those computers. Uh, Farming where you grow an aquaponics, hydroponic system in a completely closed environment. I really like the way we're going to feed the rest of the world and get really good produce into cities is to grow out of shipping crates and do it in a really collective way. Like it, we, if you, there was a study, if you clear cut North America, South America, you grew beef the way we expect beef to be grown or raised. You would uh, have to use the entirety of that just for the American consumption today. Like wow. that's non-sustainable. That's not a way for us to, produce beef that's not a place we need to be we need to eat less and then we need to do different things and so these beautiful there was a guy in mit that did this study about uh, vertical farming and what that would look like you can grow organically in there you can go really clean you don't have to wash in the same way and it's micro so like that huge scare of romaine was so weird a situation recently (laughs) but like if it was like oh the romaine oh well this Shipping crate by itself is not affected. It's what it is. So, like for us, we will brew our own compost tea from the compost we make, put it through the same system for us to grow out there. So we'll grow in the dirt, and we're we'll growing in a hydroponics aquaponics system in the same way for us. Two different ones, um, and so that's been a really good place to to stretch our arms to do other things within it. We've been processing pesto and basil um, to test that. We're about to go into the mushroom business in a small way. I was in, when I was in that Austria wedding, we had met this beautiful guy that was growing mushrooms in the basement of all these houses in Austria.
1: Very odd situation. Um, and wait, 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 wait. Well, what he was growing mushrooms in the basement of houses? People's and houses, yeah. Harvesting them and then selling them? So he took all the coffee
2: grounds from around Austria's coffee houses. It was in Vienna. And so he grabbed them all, puts them in a cement mixer, adds the uh, the spores into it, soaks them, puts them in a proving room. And then takes them to different people's houses and would leave them and then come harvest them. Yeah. Had, oh, wow. Kind of like the bees in the D. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like the shrooms you know? in the. If you go way back shrooms in our Instagram in story, there you could you know. totally find it. I totally posted it illegally wow. with my, my my PR and press people do not like me when I post random things. But it's in there. And it, so we obviously have a Zingerman's coffee company. It would be really great to close ah, that loop yeah. and to put that in there. And uh, coffee makes a really great base for growing mushrooms in there. And so. For me, I want to write the book with this gentleman over here, (laughs) uh, put that out in the world. But honestly, I want to figure out how to to help. As a parent of a three and a five-year-old, I actually want to figure out ways to put things in front of you that allow you to upsource produce. I mean, you watch... And understand those large restaurants that take X and we stopped using it. You know, it was this tonight, tomorrow if I take what's left over and I process into this, to that. And take that to somebody at home that can understand that. Like, my life's pretty stressful when I get in my house. Yeah. I would like to be able to express how easy life can be around some of the things. And so a lot of things I've strung on my wife to do, I would like to be able to tell the world how to do. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, you know,
1: yeah, just, just explain to your wife early these things are coming. So let's bring it back to the pies. (laughs) <laughs> um you guys so you have a pie mashup pop pie mash pop up shop Yep. Okay. That starts Sunday, March 3rd. I'm glad you know these dates. Oh, I have nothing in front of me. I like throw away the piece of paper that Jamie gave me. I have a cheat me. sheet here. Don't I love about. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have so, two sheets to the wind with this. Take away or dine in. What is it? So you can you can dine on the farm?
2: Yeah. So the boxes you have in front of you, you could actually flat pack them. They go completely flat. And so you would get mashed potatoes in there. You get that, oh. that green gravy. Uh-huh. Good green, green gravy. Green gravy, yeah. And then the different type of meat pies. So we're going to do uh, six different ones. Unlike the Scots, you have like two. <laughs> I think
3: they probably I had got to get harder. one more in. We just, wow. we, we, have,
1: we have one type of meat pie right now. We have a That's meat what pie. You have call a pork, it. I mean, it's a scotch pie and, and a pork <laughs> pie. I, I, I'll, I, I'll be honest. Like it's, we have macaroni. It's a pies, good pie. But it's not, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. You just have to close your eyes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, no. Uh,
2: so we do them six times a week, and then you get like a sweet treat with it. We're actually gonna do Devon fudge, all different flavors of Devon fudge with the thing. And so what we love is people like come in, they grab it, and they go. Okay. On honestly. People were driving uh, about an hour and a half away f- to grab these. I've got to love the expats. Yeah, if yeah. you bring your British Big passport, deal. not Scottish passport. But if you brought your English passport, <laughs> you get a discount. Um, and then you can also dine in. So you can open it up. We've got beer and wine in that place. Uh, okay. So where can people find out more online? Probably from like www.zingermans.com. I'm sure that's what it is. And then like the events page. Like oh, oh. zingmans.com. It's going to be ZingermansCormandFarms.com. And then uh, Instagram? I'm sure there's one of those. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure, like, Jamie sat opposite me, like, freaking out. He's screaming it? in the corner. You should totally look in the corner of where it is, like.
1: Corman Farm At Corman Farms. It was pretty easy. You gave me your whiskey, Jamie. This was a bad call. Jared, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, the pop-up is going to occur every Sunday from March 3rd through April 7th. You're welcome. Is that, it is went that downhill English? right at the end. It was all a crash. No.
3: Is that English whiskey, by the way? Yes. <laughs>
2: yeah, totally English whiskey. <laughs> it was
1: probably the lad we sold to the Scots. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much for being with us. It's been awesome. you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Until next time, dine well, friends.